The future of your child's education is in your hands. This podcast will provide you with the best parenting tips so your child can achieve the very best, including advice from leading educators and information on how to use the latest learning technology. This podcast is brought to you by CygleEd. The CygleEd app opens up the very best teaching to millions of students. And now over to your host, Melanie Graves. Hi everyone, my name is Melanie Grace and welcome to the Future of Education podcast. So I'm joined here today with Sid. Now Sid is the founder of UK Virtual School, Education Disruptor and STEM Award winner. So Sid, I'm delighted to have you here. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And uh, thank you for inviting me, Melanie. It's a pleasure. No, it's actually uh, lovely to connect and um, online nowadays. I know things are starting to open up, but still, it's um, the best. It's still nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you too. And I think it's uh, it's amazing that we can actually do this um, at a distance as well. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, technology has really been so powerful throughout this time. So it's good. Uh, everyone's slowly getting used to it, which is a good thing. <laughs> So um, I've got a few questions for you today, Sid, because you've achieved so much in education. Uh, So I'd love to know more just about your education journey. How did you get started? So I've been in education my entire life. Um, I went straight from school to uni to doing my master's and then I went straight into education. So I've always been within the education field. And I think that journey has been really interesting because I've um, I've had different kind of ideas about education I went I worked as an unqualified teacher for a number of years um, and then I qualified and then I worked in state grammar and private schools and over that period of time I've experienced learning from lots of different avenues and it and it's opened up my mind into education just doesn't happen within school it's everything that we do around us and I find through the work that I currently do and the work that I work with kids, I'm still learning. Um, So I had a really lovely session with a kid the other week where he was teaching me about countries and he loves maps. And so it's, it's amazing that you can be in working in the education sector, but even when you're not, you're still within education, you're still learning, you're still growing. Um, And that journey has been fascinating. And uh, it's opened up my eyes into the different ways that kids learn, how I learn. um, And it's been fascinating. That's brilliant. And I know that you are really, um, you're so uh, focused on home learning, home education, and this is something that you're very passionate about. So we're going to be obviously using that as our focus for today's podcast. But firstly, what about the myths around home education? What are some of those? So I've worked with the home educating kind of sector, the families for about a decade now. And I think prior to COVID, there there were huge misconceptions. And I think now everyone's had a taster of home learning. So maybe their ideas have changed. Um, But most people thought that home education was very isolated it meant that the kids didn't socialize that they were at home all the time and that's not true like home educating families will will have little groups where they'll meet up and they'll explore topics together and they'll do workshops so I ran workshops for home educated kids for around 10 years right up to COVID um, and there's huge communities in every single city in the UK there's huge communities of 
families that come together and and create a community um, where they learn together and it's amazing to see what they achieve so that's one thing kids definitely do socialize but they don't just socialize with their age group they socialize across multiple ages and even with adults Um, and I think some kids when you meet home educated kids they're very well spoken they are able to engage with adults because they have that constant exposure to not just kids their own age, not just their peers, but also adults and being able to communicate with um, people that they're working with. Uh, so that's one like major myth that people seem to think surrounding home education. But yeah, it, it's been it's been amazing because I've worked with so many different types of home educating families and that's it. There's no one size fits all when it comes to home education. You have families that travel, you have families that move around and have their kids learning. You have other families where they will be following the curriculum. You have families that are unschooling and just completely let their kids pick whatever they want to learn. So it's very very kind of um, geared towards that particular child that they're home educating. Uh, So it's difficult for people who are not within that to get their head around that. Um, But but yeah, it's amazing. That's great. And I I certainly agree with you there, because one of the massive things that people always say when you hear someone that's a home educator or homeschooled or anything like that, it's it's do they socialize? How do they get out? How do they form bonds? And I think that's something that's really quite common for people to just bring up. So um, yeah, it's really good you've addressed that. And so what would you say some of the positive and negatives are? Because obviously, there's there's different kind of sides to, you know, to every different, um, you know, type of learning. Yes, so home education um, requires a lot of support and dedication from parents. So it doesn't suit families if uh, both parents are working and are away from home for a long period of time. And in most families, both parents do work. So it becomes difficult for for those families to home educate. Um, And they also have kids that do after school clubs, so they're not able to be around uh, their kids as much. So it's ideally suited to to families where only one parent is working um, and then the other parent is at home with the child and it doesn't mean that you're always at home you go on trips you go out and about you meet with other families so that's one kind of downside where if you do decide to home educate the chances are that it will be one and a one income family which kind of limits a lot of families then in in what they can do Um, there are some parents that do do run home businesses and work around their kids again that must be such a huge challenge to try and home educate and to run a business and businesses are very demanding and so are kids so it's a really difficult thing to juggle so that is one thing to consider if people are thinking of home educating and and it can be a con if um, the the single parent that's working isn't earning that much Um, so that is one downside the other thing is also when you're home educating you've taken that responsibility so there is no external support there's no support from the government there's no external support from schools so it's really up to you how you how you educate your child and that can be really daunting for a lot of families so a lot of families will kind of be unsure do I follow the curriculum do I just kind of let the child explore do I um, do I do certain subjects with them what will happen will they fall behind will they sit exams so there's all of those kind of doubts that kind of creep in uh, so parents need to know that there is support out there. There are there are other families that have been there and done that. And but 
the downside is that they will have to pay for exams themselves. They'll have to get the support that they need. And, and normally they will have to fund that themselves. So unfortunately, there isn't any kind of support for families that do opt to home educate. Um, certain LEAs do provide some basic support. I know um, around a decade ago, our local LEA was providing English and maths lessons once a week, uh, specifically for home educated families. Some LEAs will have uh, local meetups, uh, but some families don't want their local authority to know that they're home educating. They don't want interference. And again, it boils down to the reason why the families are home educating in the first place. And there's a variety so some kids have got spe- special educational needs and schools haven't been able to cater. So the families feel that they are best to have their child at home to support them. Um, other families have got kids that have got anxiety or have been bullied. Um, and some families just don't agree with the way that the education system runs and they feel like they can do a better job. So it boils down to the reasons and how they want to work. And it can provide a lot of challenges as well, um, especially in the early days when you're trying to figure out how to do it um, is there a right way and there isn't a right way and the families I've worked with they've come back to me after about six or seven months and they've gone I don't know why I didn't do this earlier this has been the best thing I've ever done so when it does work it works really well and if it doesn't work they can send their kids back Um, but then the then the kind of Uh, the fear there is what if my child has fallen behind what if I haven't done a good job Uh, so there's loads of pros and cons and it's a different conversation for each family uh, because of where they've come from and their journey with education and how they want to proceed as well some families pull their kids out on a temporary basis so it might be for a year or two Um, it might be for a year or two and then they're moving uh, countries or they're moving cities and then they enroll them back into school so it's different for every family and I think that's what the beauty of the home education world is I've never met two families that are identical because each one has their own journey and their own story just like every child is different every home education journey is different as well. That's excellent. I really like how you brought up the resources as well. I mean, it's brilliant what you're doing with the virtual school, but even the app that we're creating to try and, you know, provide support so people have that um, technology to use at home is a really important thing. And I think that nowadays we've seen so much emerge um, that is, you know, really wanting to support students and parents at home uh, as much as they can. And what you brought up there as well, I know that you say some parents are traveling, some parents do it for other reasons, but have you noticed any common reasons uh, why people choose the home learning journey? Is there any pattern at all? So I've, I've, I kind of narrow families down into like three ma- major areas. So there's one um, one kind of group of families that are away from, from the UK. They want a UK British curriculum, but they are either traveling and they might be expats in a different country or they might be world schoolers um, and they still want their child to have a British education and if they are expats in a different country British schools even though there's loads of international British schools they're limited and they tend to be in very dense areas where there are other expats but if they are in an area where they don't have um, a school um then it becomes really difficult and some families choose to home educate instead. So then they can follow the curriculum of their choice and they know that where their child is at. Um, Families that also world school travel 
Like that is world schooling. They travel from country to country. They've got the luxury to kind of learn as they go. And there's so much value in that, in that, in in what the child is able to uh, immerse themselves into learning about cultures and language and so so that's one group of families where they are kind of away from uh, the UK um, and even they might be traveling in the UK they might be going from county to county so it suits that kind of lifestyle of families where they're not situated in one place they're not grounded and they're not committed to go to one particular school so that's one type of family uh, the other type of family I've noticed is families who um, who where the school hasn't really met the expectations so they've got special special educational needs or they've got uh, kids that have got severe anxiety and they are fearful of going into school um, and so their kids work really well on a one-to-one basis and normally the parent will work directly with the child and they'll be able to cater for those needs quite easily and then there's another group of families where their kids have got a really amazing talent from such a young age and school isn't able to cater or they might have a, a modeling career or an acting career and we and I've met some of those families it's amazing that such, at such a young age they've got these talents and to be able to then have the ability to mold the education around their talent is such an amazing thing to do because they can really work at that talent. Um, so there's a child that I work with, he's seven and he's so talented. He's seven and he knows every single country in the world. He can tell you every single um, uh, capital city. And so wow. yesterday, it was yesterday, I had a session with him yesterday and he was uh I always start my session by saying, uh, my one-to-one session saying, what would you like to learn today? And he goes, well, I want to talk about nations today and looking at populations and, and land mass and all of that kind of stuff. So we, we were looking at the mathematical side and he picked Algeria and uh, he started going off on a tangent telling me about how it was colonized by the French and they speak French there and all of these facts. He's seven. And those kind of talents, if you if your child goes to school, you're not able to kind of give them the, the ability to, to kind of harness that talent. So his mum just gives him books and he reads and he'll read what he's interested in. And it's amazing how much he knows because I learn from him. It's amazing how much I learned from him. Um, so he might not be amazing at the times table, which is what kids his age are currently learning in school. But he has other talents, other talents where if we can harness that, he'll be amazing at, at being a world explorer one day. Um, so it, it provides an opportunity that I think schools are limited because they've got such big class sizes. Um, but that doesn't mean school doesn't work. Like school works for a lot of kids, but there are some kids where it doesn't work and where it doesn't work, home education is a great alternative. That's really interesting because I think that when you think about homeschooling or home education, I know they're the same, but you know, people use different terms, mm. then you you kind of have a, a perception that, oh, that's a box of people or that's how it is. Or you, you just think, okay, home learning, that's what they do but you don't understand why in the background and the purpose and like you say traveling seeing different you know cultures different um you know beautiful places traveling around the world or even for you know if parents are wanting to provide more of that one-to-one it's really um nice to hear that there are so many different options and obviously the support that you provide um one-to-one or even using technology you know such as things like immersive videos or the content we provide in on our app they're all great solutions that can just add 
something, you know, like you say, when parents are maybe feeling a little overwhelmed, but still want to stick to that journey, it's, it's a really good balance. So obviously COVID-19 now, every, every kind of parent has had the opportunity to have a little taste of the home learning. Um, so why do you think anyone would want online learning in normal conditions outside of COVID? Well, well, for the reasons that I mentioned, like people might want to decide, actually, it works really well for their kids. Um, I think the other thing to realise is COVID home learning is not normal home education. Like normal home education means that you can go out and explore and you can explore nature and you can go to visit farms and, and wildlife and all of these amazing attractions around the UK. And we haven't been able to do that for the last year. So COVID learning has been like one little little slice of what home education is because it's it's not just about learning at home. So I think the, the misconception that people have is home education is actually being at home and learning from a desk at home. And it's not that. Um, a lot of families will move around, they'll go from different venue to venue and they'll they'll explore nature and they'll meet up and they'll do all of these amazing things. Um, but what I've noticed is there are a lot of families that have noticed their child improving in an area where they were previously struggling in and have now opted to home educate. And there's more and more families that are going in that direction. So prior to COVID, there were only around 60,000 families that were homeschooling um, or home educating. And the, the, I think the government kind of estimates there's more clo- it's more closer to 100,000 because a lot of them are not registered. So this is the other thing. If your child has never been to a school and you've started home educating them right from the beginning, a lot of councils aren't going to be aware of that. So uh, they're not on on roll with any school. So they don't have that kind of um, register to kind of thick tick, right? This school, this child is now being home educated. So the the estimate was it's between 60,000 to 100,000 uh, kids were being home educating prior to COVID. And um, I think since COVID, I read somewhere that that percentage is now going to be increasing because a lot more families have realised that their kids do so much better on a one-to-one basis or working at home, um, and they're not feeling they're not feeling um, that. They're feeling more confident in certain subjects because I think that's the other thing. When you're in a group of 30 peers, um, you are afraid to ask questions. You're afraid to sound like you don't know and you've, uh, you're, you're afraid to to put your hand up and, and ask. And some kids don't have the confidence. So being able to work on a one-to-one basis, a lot of families have realised that actually this works a lot better. And if I can continue supporting and providing this type of education, my child is going to do really well. So in normal circumstances, there's loads of reasons parents home educate. And I think uh, due to COVID, there's going to be more and more families that are going to opt to continue. And some are still shielding. So that's the other thing. There are some families that are still shielding and still feel it's not safe to return or they've got a vulnerable member in in their household. So they are opting to home educate to protect their families. So each family has an individual story to tell. um, And and more and more are realising that maybe school isn't for them. And... um, and and maybe maybe and this is the other thing I've heard stories where people have gone I've always thought about home educating 
but I didn't I didn't have the the um the confidence to take the leap and suddenly covid has been like a reset button where everyone has had to take a pause reflect they've had a taster of home education even though it's not reflective of what real home education is and then they've decided that maybe this is the way and if it doesn't work out they can always send their kids back um they might lose their place in the meantime but there'll be other schools that they can send them to uh, so it gives that safety net where they know that actually if it doesn't work out there's always that option but because they were forced into doing it they've now had a taste and they're like okay we can continue with this for a while longer yeah that's really good to know great point there as well i think that like you said it's nothing what parents have had um with the compared to the actual home education journey but i know some of the parents have had really mixed reviews some have been pulling their hair out and saying we want our kids back in school asap but then when you look at, like you say, going out, doing activities, actually getting into a schedule, because I must admit, probably when you're starting out on this journey, it must be quite strange. So what would you advise if you are starting out on, you know, that home learning journey? How would you even get started? Because it might be quite scary. Yeah, so I, one of the things that parents tend to do when they first start out is just max out their time schedule. Like they'll put in something every single day, they'll try to replicate school at home, or they'll, or they'll try to schedule an outing every single day. And that can be really exhausting. And I've had loads of families that have come back and they've said, okay, I, I'm, I'm taking things back where I'm going to stay at home on, on a Monday or on a Wednesday, on a Friday, just to ease things a bit. You don't have to fill your entire schedule because if you take away assemblies and lunch time and break times and and all the kind of um getting kids to settle down in class the actual learning that's happening is around an hour and 15 minutes a day so if you can provide an hour and 15 minutes maybe spread out during the day of intense learning that's enough it's in, it's enough for them to have in a full day and if you start thinking like that suddenly it's not so overwhelming. And then you can actually go to the park and just have a, a play around. And it doesn't have to all be geared towards learning. So my advice would be not to overwhelm yourself. Like take take a breather, take a step back, allow your kids to kind of just enjoy being at home and then and then start to inbuilt things into your schedule. Kids need routine. So having a routine in place where even if you are at home, um, they are getting up and they're doing something in the morning. And I think journaling is great. Like I'd recommend journaling for kids, but also for adults as well, um, whether it's first thing in the morning or last thing in the evening, just to sit that down and reflect on the on the day or the day before and uh, about your feelings and all of these kind of things. And I think at home, when you've got them at home, you can work on those softer skills. You can work on communication skills. You can work on uh, reviving letter writing, getting them to write letters to their relatives. And learning isn't just about academic learning. And I think this is really important for families to know. Like when you are getting um, sorting out the grocery list, for example, get your child involved in that. They can help estimate the cost. They can they can tally up what the total cost is going to be. They can work out the percentage discount on a on like buy buy one product get one fifty percent off. They can calculate that. They can work out whether they they can buy some extra things or whether it's going to go over budget. So get them involved in day to day tasks because there's so much learning and even cooking. 
measuring ingredients and we're working out the ratios if you're cooking for two people now you're going to extend that recipe for four people how are the ratios going to work out um you can talk about chemistry when you're baking what uh, like baking is an irreversible reaction you can talk about states of matter you can talk about boiling and what's happening like there's so much science involved in in, in just everyday activities so i think my one advice would be take it easy. It doesn't all have to be academic 9 till 3 p.m. Uh, you can do other things. They're still learning. Uh, playing with Lego is still learning. And one of one kind of advice I would give, because a lot of families will worry that their kids, especially when their children are seven, eight, nine, that their handwriting is really poor. How do I get them to improve their handwriting? And the most logical thing that people think is, getting to, getting them to do lots of handwriting activities right getting them to write lots of things and i actually say no get them to cut get them to bead and sew because when they are using their fingers and their hands they're developing the muscles in their in their hands and that's what they need they need to develop that hand eye coordination and activities like crafting and painting and detailed work like sewing and beading actually help develop those key muscles that they need so actually when you think about learning it doesn't have to be directly sitting down and working on a worksheet it can be so diverse and work on the strengths of your child so if your child likes lego make all the learning around lego like you've got to be creative and think outside of the box and home education gives you as an adult the opportunity to be a child again and to learn with your child and to actually open your eyes to different ways of approaching things. Uh, so a lot of families will kind of go in thinking, I need to buy lots of workbooks. I need to like go on BBC Bite Size. I need to look at this. I need to get these resources. I need to spend loads on signing up to courses. And it doesn't have to be like that. You can just strip back everything and go to the park, uh, admire nature, uh, like keep a nature journal, like what insects are you finding? Do your research on Google? Like you can keep it very basic, but they're still learning. Just, just by going to the park, you could be looking for a particular type of bird or you could be looking for a particular type of insect. And from there, you create a diary or a journal and you create a whole kind of... Um, buckler around this particular insect or bird and it can be amazing it can be a simple project but you're doing handwriting you're doing writing skills you're doing science you're doing maybe maths if you're counting up like how many dots they have if the kids are quite young or you could be looking at the percentage of a population that's living in this country of a particular animal so there's loads of different ways that you could take learning and the beauty of home education is that there's no one right way. So my advice for people that are starting out is take it easy. Don't overwhelm yourself because that's what every parent does when they start home educating. They bombard their schedule because they want to make sure that their kids don't fall behind. Your child is not going to fall behind. If they enjoy learning, they will be able to um, grasp anything that you throw at them. And this is the other thing kids don't have to follow the curriculum in order for them to sit GCSEs at the end. There's loads of families that have never followed the curriculum and they'll get their kids to do GCSEs at sometimes age 9, 10, 11, 12. So they're sitting them early sometimes as well. And they do fantastically because if your child loves learning and then you give them a specification and a textbook, 
they'll just be wanting to absorb it and they'll do so well and they'll be so engaged and sometimes they even um do better than their peers at school who've had that consistent learning so don't be afraid to go off curriculum don't be afraid to kind of unschool for a period of time and some some kind of um, really strong advocate home educators will say, actually, you need to unschool. You need to unschool for a number of years first before you start actually um, working on content. But I think it's down to each and every family. Like they, they, there's no one right way to home educate. And I think that's the beauty. Take inspiration, but don't feel like you have to copy. And also don't look at Instagram so much. Because in Instagram, you have all these amazing images of home educating families. Um, and that is one tiny glimpse in that particular second where the parents have arranged everything perfectly and taken a photo. That is not what home education is. Home education is chaotic and it's crazy and things don't go to plan. You might plan something and it goes in a completely different direction and it's completely fine to feel overwhelmed and to feel like you're not doing the right thing. But that's part of the challenge. Like if you're not being challenged, you're not learning and your kids aren't going to learn. So if you're feeling like um, you don't know anything, then go out there and and Google it and learn and then pass on that learning to your child. One thing I've learned being in in education for so long is I do not have all the answers to everything. My answers come from the questions that the kids have asked and I go oh I don't know that let me go away and 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 actually research and that's where the greatest learning and the exciting learning happens so going back to that seven-year-old um he came to one lesson and he goes I want to learn about goldfish and I said goldfish goldfish like like like, yeah they're just like a fish like what's there to learn and he goes well I'm thinking of having a goldfish as a pet and so I want to learn a bit more about it and I thought well, okay, let's do some research together. I don't know anything about goldfish, so let's go on Google and have a look. And we and I and I typed in goldfish facts for kids. And this is a little tip. If you're researching on Google, always type for kids at the end of whatever you're searching, because it'll bring up the basic things and the colourful facts and the worksheets and all the nice stuff. So I always do that, even if it's Yeah, even if it's learning for me, like it just breaks it down because if you type in goldfish facts, it'll bring like the really high level facts. You're like, I can't get my head around that. Right. So always type in for kids because it'll break it down for you. So I did this and it came up with some facts. Like one of them was goldfish don't can't close their eyes because they don't have eyelids. And I was like, what? And so we had these four or five facts, and one of them was goldfish um, change color if they don't have enough sunlight, they go white. And goldfish don't have stomachs, and goldfish don't urinate. And then all of these facts, and we could have looked at each other, we were like, these don't sound real, they don't sound correct. So then we verified them across different resources, uh, sources, um, and we realized that actually they are correct. Goldfish don't have eyelids. They sleep with their eyes open. That's something I've never realized. And I had a goldfish at one point. Um, and goldfish are, have got uh, light sensitive um, scales. And so if you take them away from sunlight and you keep them in a dark place, and I don't suggest you do this because that's really horrible for the goldfish, but they turn white and they, they go white. They change color. And I did not 
ever know that. I thought goldfish were always yellow and gold and all of these kind of nice colours. So I learned all of these facts and now I've got a new appreciation for goldfish just because that child asked a question and um, I would have just dismissed it. But because I have this philosophy that I will cater for the child now and it's changed I never I never was like that I'd be like no I've planned this session we're going to be doing this today um and this is a beauty of home education where you don't know where the learning is going to go and just be open to learning um and and be be open to learning new things and I learned so many new things about the goldfish like they they don't urinate from their back end they urinate from their gills and it's like, is that really urination then? I don't know. Like, they don't call it urinate. They like give out water from their gills. So it's, it's just really weird. Um, and But it's so fascinating. And this is the thing, that there's so much out there to learn. And there's just not enough time. And I think if a child is kind of at home and they're excited about learning, they will go out and they'll find the information just like that seven-year-old does. He just reads and reads and reads. He knows more than his parents. He knows more than any any teacher, like in that specific area of um, countries, because he just reads. He's just like a sponge. And this is the one thing that we need to know about kids. They are sponges. The limitations that we have, on, like we, we place limitations on kids. We say to them, this is your bar, right? And we give them a certain amount of information. Where actually, if you allow them, to kind of immerse themselves in, 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 a, in a specific niche, they'll go and they'll learn so much. If a child is interested in gaming, teach them to code. Get them to make their own game, right? There's another, there's an eight-year-old at the moment. She wants to be a CEO of a gaming company, right? And she's only eight. So she's learning how to code. Wow. It is. And this is what home education kind of opens up. It gives you a different perspective on life. That's amazing. Well, fantastic knowledge. Uh, thank you, Sid. That's um, all amazing. And the goldfish facts as well. So lots of interesting ones there. Thank you. So obviously, home education is outstanding. It's amazing. But school also is very, very important. So parents that do have their children at school, how can they add in home education to kind of provide a bit of a mix? Yeah, so over the years, I've worked with a lot of families that do actually have kids that are in school. Um, so look out for activities on weekends and evenings that don't just work on the academics side of things, but work on the skills development. Because that's one area that I think some schools don't cater for specifically. Academics are brilliant. The schools will cover all the different subjects. But things like public speaking things like teamwork skills where they are working on a problem solving task and there'll be workshops out there that cater for specific areas. So I started um, two years ago, and this was before COVID, um, started a public speaking course because I, I myself as an adult went to a public speaking course and I realized how valuable uh, that that was for me and the confidence it gave me because after that I ended up uh, broadcasting on radio for two years and, and I loved it and I thought if I hadn't done that public speaking course I wouldn't have gone on radio I wouldn't have gone on tv and done an interview I wouldn't have done this and it's like all the doors it opens up just when you are a bit more confident in speaking and I thought well what are the kids missing out on like if I could provide something where they are kind of catered for from a young age and where we give them a voice 
they're going to do amazing things. So things like public speaking skills, and there's loads of things out there that you can kind of um, fill in the gaps. Coding skills is another one where I think I learned coding at uni. Um, and there was no such thing as coding in school, especially not primary school when I was younger. We just had the basic kind of the old uh, PCs and all you could do on that PC was like draw stars. I don't remember whether you remember the art program where you could just draw stars and <laughs> on, on there. That's all we used it for, just to play with um, paint. Um, but now kids... Definitely not, as, uh, not like now. <laughs> no, kids are learning how to code. And I think that's really fascinating. And if you then provide an after-school club where they are able to uh, hone in on that skill or maybe even acting or dance skills or singing, things where schools are not able to provide um, kind of intensive training in. And there's loads of areas. If there's a skill that your child is kind of excelling in or showing an interest in, then roll with it and work on it. So it doesn't always have to be about academics. If they're interested in science, find experimental science clubs or find kits that you can kind of um, can, can purchase and you can work with your kids at home. So there's lots of areas that you can work on. And it's just about finding that niche. If your child loves sports, take them to sports clubs and get them excited and get them enrolled in activities and group challenges and things like that. So if you are thinking about how can you support that's what you should be focusing on, especially when things open up now as COVID is easing um, and lockdown is easing. I think kids need to be outdoors. They need to be enjoying. They need to be working on skills. Art. Art is another one. I'm a big believer that art skills and learning how to draw opens up so many other doors in different um, kind of subjects as well, because art gives you an appreciation of science, because uh, if you can draw scientific drawings, if you look at kind of the old um the, the great kind of inventors and scientists of past of the past they were polymaths they didn't work on a specific area i think in the uk especially we niche down very quickly like the kids specialize at a level they choose what they want to do and then we specialize at uni but if you look at like some of the great thinkers and the great scientists of the past they weren't just scientists. They were artists. They were they were poets. They wrote literature. They did all of these different things, and they were so diverse. And I think it's about opening up th those kind of th that horizon for your child, where they are able to work on all of those skills and not just purely focus on the academics. So go out there and look for things that your kid's interested in, but also don't just limit it to that. If your child has never done a poetry class get them to try it because they won't know until they try right um I remember I interviewed someone um a couple of months ago and he for work he had to do a presentation and he was so nervous so he went on a oh he, he actually did it and it went really badly and he was so nervous and he was like oh I have to do something about this so he went on he's in the states and he went on a public speaking course in the states and um, it gave him the confidence and he went back and he nailed the next presentation. Um, and, and he said to me, I never knew I was a good public speaker until I put myself through that training. And this is an adult that's gone through the education system, that's been working successfully in, 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 in an industry and he didn't know. So imagine the skills and the talents that the kids don't know they have. 
because we haven't given them the opportunity to try things out. So I think it's about um, working on what they're interested in, but also not limiting it, limiting them to a specific area too soon and actually getting them to challenge themselves. I'm a big believer in growth mindset. Like if you're not being challenged, you're not learning anything. And we as adults and kids, we like it easy sometimes. We like to be comfortable. We don't like to be put on the spot. We don't like to be challenged because it's difficult when we're challenged, right? It makes us feel uneasy. But that's when the real learning happens. If a child knows the answer to something, there's no learning happening there. The learning only happens when they get something wrong and then you kind of break down the concept and you go through it. Um, And the learning only happens when you are fearful or you're afraid, you're afraid to go on that stage. That's when you're really going to learn because you're really going to then learn from the mistakes you make. So don't be put off if your child goes, oh, I don't like that. Tell them to give it a shot. Give it a go. Have a go and see what happens. You never know where your strengths are until you give things a shot. Brilliant advice there. I really, yes, I really like that so many times now you can focus in on, you know, one particular thing or we can get so caught up in, you know, just go with the flow. So like you say, trying new things, really getting out there, hopefully a little bit more once COVID-19 calms down um, and just giving things a go. It's certainly something that's really important. So, well, thank you so much for sharing such amazing uh, knowledge today, Sid. You've really been amazing. So how can everyone connect with you online? Um, how, How can they do that? Well, if you want to connect with me directly, um, you can find me on all social media. You can just type in Sid, uh, Sid Femtinos. But I think through my YouTube channel is probably the easiest way because my contact details on, are on there. So my YouTube channel is Learn With Sid. And there's lots of little bits and pieces on there that you can kind of try with your with your kids at home if you want to and learn more about what I do as well from there. Wonderful. Thank you, Sid. And we certainly look forward to sharing our app with you and uh, definitely uh, working with you on that because you're certainly an expert. So thank you so much for your time and I'll speak to you very soon. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you for listening to the Future of Education podcast by CycleEd. Please join us weekly for new episodes. Don't forget to follow us on social media at CycleEd and visit CycleEd.com to register for the app. Have a wonderful rest of the week.